for the past few weeks, we've been looking uh, at stories that Jesus told, stories that shed a light uh, on reality, uh, shed a light on what it means uh, to be part of God's kingdom. Uh, we said that humility is the door uh, into God's kingdom, but asking, what does life look like on the other side? Uh, the past two weeks, we've seen that uh, we've talked a lot about love, we've talked a lot about forgiveness, uh, and tonight, I want to talk about work. Uh, I want to talk about the work that God has given you to do. Uh, in the story that we're going to look at from Matthew 25, I want you to see that we are made for work, that we are in some ways saved for work. I want you to see that we've been equipped for work and that we will be judged by our work. Um, those are the three points. Hey, if you don't mind, let's throw that up there and let's read. For the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what's yours. But his master answered him, Welcome back. <laughs> yeah, he's answered, answered him. Uh, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talents and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has more, or to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and action. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you um, for telling us the story. I pray now by your spirit, uh, you would help us to understand what it is exactly you want us to hear. Uh, and in knowing it, uh, we would be changed uh, from the inside out. I pray these things in your name. The first point uh, of tonight's sermon is that you and I, we were made for work. The Christianity is so much more than God just forgiving your sins and then you just waiting for heaven. Sometimes that's how it's portrayed, but it is so much more than that. Uh, it's so much bigger than that. Frankly, it's a lot more adventurous than that. You and I were made to work, uh, to do stuff. Uh, as Bradley Barnes um, addressed us at, at the RUF Fall Retreat, 
There is a great responsibility in being a human being. Like it is a weighty thing uh, to be a human. Verse 14 of our story uh, starts, the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servant and entrusted to them his property. You know, that's how this story begins. And interestingly enough, that's also how the Bible begins in a way. Right? The Bible begins with God making the heavens and the earth, and he makes us in his image. And then he entrusts what he has made to us. It is, this, it is as if God is saying, I want you to care for this in my stead, as my image bears, in the same way that I would care for it myself. And of all the creatures on this earth, only human beings have been entrusted with this awesome power and this awesome responsibility. You and I were given special gifts and special abilities in order that uh, we might do a very special task. And that job that we have been given by design is that we would image God, that we would reflect him, that we would reflect his heart and his character to the world around us. As we say it a lot at UVM or at RUF, as we have sort of emblazoned on our water bottles, uh, we were made to love God, to love others, right? to love UVM, or to say to love this world, to love this place, to work the garden uh, and to cultivate it, to say to create culture, to guard this planet and to keep it, to protect it and to preserve it, uh, to be fruitful and multiply to expand the scope of the garden, to expand it uh, to encompass the entire earth, to bring God's goodness and beauty and truth to bear all over the world. That is what it means to be a human. It's what we are made for. Uh, And in this broken world, this is what we were saved for. You see, God made a good world. We broke it. But God has been committed to it and to us from the beginning. Uh, And he has done something for us in the person of Jesus to make us right again. You know, like a mirror, imagine this is a mirror. Like a mirror, we were made to be in a face-to-face relationship with God. And as we face him, what we are doing is that we are reflecting him. Like as we look at God, his reflection is reflected back out to the world around, right? Right? But what we have done is we have turned our backs on God. We still, fun- we still function like a mirror. We still have all the, the trappings of a mirror. But we're not doing what we do. You know, like when a mirror is facing the light, it is full of light, right? And, if, and it reflects the light. But when a, a, a mirror is facing the darkness, it reflects darkness. And the glass itself is dark. And that is what we are like. But Jesus has come to to turn us around, which is to say to get us to repent. That's what the word means, to turn around. And as Jesus comes and says, face God again, we're able to do what we were always designed to do. As Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians, uh, in Jesus, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. He was bringing us back into a right relationship with God. Us mirrors who have turned around to turn back towards him again in order that we might reflect him, image him once more, so that we can be what we were designed to be and do what we were designed to do. As one theologian, a guy named Hans Ruckmacher, uh, put it, Jesus didn't come to make us Christians. 
Jesus came to make us fully human again. I'll say that again. It's an interesting thought, right? Jesus didn't come simply to make us Christians. Jesus came to make us fully human again. Well, we were made in the image of God for the sake of imaging God, which is to say we were made for work and we were saved for work. That's the first point of the sermon. But point number two is that we've been equipped for this work. We've been equipped to do this. God has entrusted uh, to us his earth. And in the story that Jesus tells, the master entrusts his servants uh, his property. He says, look after it until I return. But that's not all. To one, he gave five talents. To another, two. To another, one. Uh, To each according to his ability. You all, we are all made in God's image. And as our own Declaration of Independence reads and states, all men and women are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And that's true. You're like, where did the founders get that? This is where they got it. They got it from the Bible. We are all created equal, right? Endowed with our creator, entrusted uh, with our creator, uh, with certain unalienable rights. But even though we're created equal, we're all equals in this room. It doesn't mean that we are all the same. You know, just consider, even though men and women are equals, men and women are not the same. Like, there's something truly special about maleness, and there's something truly special about femaleness. There's something really unique about being a man, and there's something really unique about being a woman. Megan and I were just talking about this the other day, actually, as we were driving in the car. And she had made the comment that, like, and it's true, I will never know, because I'm a man, I will never know what it feels like to have a child inside my stomach or my womb. Like, that is something I will never experience. And I will never know the joy of nursing a child. Like, that is uniquely a woman's experience. Um, men don't get to experience that. We are equals, and yet we're not the same. And that's okay. Like, there is something profoundly godly, in fact, of our equality and our diversity. What I mean by that, well, we believe in a triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, all of them equal, but not all of them the same. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. They're not the Spirit. They're all equal, but they're not all the same. Like, there is unity and diversity within God, and and how much we would expect then that if we were made in his image, it would be true of us as well equals, and yet distinct and unique in, 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 in special ways. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according uh, to his ability. Friends, even though we're all created equal, we don't have the same gifts or talents, or in the same measure. Uh, in the story, one is given five, another two, a, thir- a third one. And in the story that Jesus told last week, we learned uh, that a talent is actually a monetary unit that in today's dollars would equal roughly $720,000. That's what a talent is worth. What I want you to see in this story is that what matters is not how much or how little uh, you've been given, but what matters is what you do with it. Did you notice uh, to the man who had five and won five more, 
The master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. But then for the one who had two and earned two more, the master says to him the exact same thing. Word for word. It's an identical response. He is not more pleased with the guy who got five than he is two. He is just as pleased with the one who adds two. What matters is not how much or how little you've been given. What matters is what you do with it. God gives us what we need uh, to work with, but not always in the same ways uh, or in the same measure. Some of you are great at chemistry. You aced that test on Thursday. Others of you are not. Like, you failed it. Some of you are uh, terrible uh, at learning new languages, and others of you are really great at it. Some of you are profoundly deep thinkers. Others of you are really creative doers. I've seen you make incredible things with your hands. I've listened to you make incredible uh, works of art, of music. Some of you are athletic, uh, and others of you aren't. God has equipped you uh, in unique ways. And God's equipping for you uh, for work in this world includes uh, these special God-given skill sets or abilities, but it also includes things like your upbringing. And God has equipped you in ways... um, what family you were born into. That is part of your equipping. Uh, Your education, your friends, the things that have happened to you in this life. God uses it all, Uh, even hard and difficult things. Things like divorce, things like a car accident, if you allow him, right, God can take these things and he can turn them into good. He can use these things and specially equip you in the midst of your suffering so that you can minister to people in ways that nobody else can. It's oftentimes, uh, yeah, that our suffering gives us a platform to speak into other people's lives who are suffering the same feelings. That's a part of the equipping too. Isn't it interesting, too, that so often we want to hide or mask that? Maybe the ways that we've been hurt are our vulnerabilities. Because we're like, nobody wants to know that. But to maybe reimagine that is like, maybe this is one of the ways that God has equipped me to be able to speak into other people who are experiencing the same things or have experienced the same things as I have. It's an interesting thing to think about. I know some of you are already thinking about that as you even think about your future work that you want to do in the world. We were made for work, and we were saved for work. And God has equipped you and is equipping you now right, to do good work in the world. This is what college is. Okay, college, your time here at UVM, this is not just some box to check, right, after high school. This is a time of equipping. Now, I'm going to geek out here for just a second. But are, do we have any Lord of the Rings fans here? I am. I mean, I'm the... I'll come out in the open. I'm a Lord of the Rings fan. And uh, 
if you'll understand this reference. Okay, some of you uh, have been called uh, to go to Mordor to destroy a ring, and others of you have been equipped to go and fight on a battlefield of Rohan. This place is your Rivendell. Right? This is the place where you are given the tools, and you are given the equipment, and you are given the friends that you are going to need for that journey. Right? This is where you find your fellowship of the brave. You have been made for work. You have been saved uh, for work. And you have been equipped for work. And are being equipped for work. That's what this is. That is why you are here at UVM or at Champlain. This is a time of equipping. Thirdly and finally, you will be judged by our work. You will be judged by our work. For some of you, your ears are perking up, and that's right. You ought to, right? Pay attention. You're probably thinking, wait a minute. Doesn't the Bible teach that we are saved by grace and saved by faith? That we are not saved by our good deeds. That we are not saved by our works. And you are absolutely right. We are saved entirely by grace. And we are saved entirely by faith. Okay, the Bible does not divide the world into good people versus bad people. Good people going to heaven, bad people going to hell. That is not how the Bible divides. The way that the Bible talks about us is we are sick and broken people. And there are some people who say, help me. I need rescue. I can't fix myself. Please help. And there are others who say, I'm just fine. Leave me alone. That is how the Bible divides us. Sick and broken people who admit it and sick and, people, sick and broken people who deny it. Okay, Faith, as we've described it uh, in, in large group a lot, is the empty hands that receives what God is freely offering us in Jesus. I'm the good physician who's come to make you whole. I'm the good physician who's come to make you well. And faith is saying, I need that. Right? We are saved by grace. We are saved by faith. Saved by grace alone, saved by faith alone. But as Martin Luther, the great reformer, said, not a faith that is alone. We're saved by faith and faith alone, but not a faith that is alone. And what was he getting at? He's saying that true or saving faith always bears good fruit. True or saving faith always manifests itself in good works. Or to use the language of this story, it always yields a profit. Right? It always results or, or uh, ends up with a profit. Jesus makes this point in the story using the examples of the first, second, and third service. Contrasting really numbers one and two, verses three. Look at what the first and second servant do with their talents. Okay, in verse 16. It says that they immediately got to work. And as one commentator points out, there is excitement in immediately. Right? The servant is so thrilled to have been entrusted with his master's gifts that without a moment's loss, he wants to throw himself into their use. There's joy sort of packed into that word. But what else? I want you to note the other verbs. It says that they've moved out, they went to work, and they won a profit. I want you to contrast that with the third servant. Because what does the third servant do with his talent? It says that he went away, he dug a pit, he dug a pit and he hid his talents in the ground. He doesn't do anything with it. 
He stuffs it down. He buries it. Y'all, the first two are commended for their work. Well done, good and faithful servant. Right? Well done, good and faithful servant. Faith works, friends. Faith works. But what does that work look like? So you look at the first and second servant. That work is out there. It is public. It's not private. It says these two went out. They are going out, out into the world, and they are using their talents, and they are exchanging them. They are sharing them. They are trading with other people. And this exchange out there is profitable. And they end with far more than what they begin with. Though God made us in his image, he made us to expand the scope of the garden. And in a fallen world, he says, I've made you to be salt and light. I've made you to be this, to do this, right? And salt is good only if it is out there, right? Nobody wants to eat a spoonful of salt. You ever tried it? Just a spoonful of salt? It's nasty. I haven't tried it. I've tasted like a little pinch of it, right? Like a little pinch of salt. But if you take that same salt and you spread it out over a nice juicy steak, or you are vegan, vegetarian, a nice vegetarian, like broccoli, broccoli. <laughs> <laughs> or corn on the cob. Corn on the cob is good, right? If you take that same and you spread it out over, it's delicious. Because salt is doing what it's supposed to do. It's drawing out the flavors. It's making it better. Light is only good if it's out there, too. Uh, out there in a darkened room. Light is no good to you if you hide it. Um, if you keep it hidden. Well, God made you for work. And he saved you for work. And he's equipped you for work, and he's equipping you now. And he expects a return on your investment not bury it, to not hide it, but to take it and to go out into the world out there to mix it up. To be salt and light. In closing, I want to ask you four questions. Okay, this is, these four questions are not going to be. First, who or what are you working for? Whose kingdom are you building? Is your life's work or is your life's ambition all about protecting yourself and advancing your agenda? Or are you working for God and want to see his kingdom advance? Well, this is, a, this is really a question that we were sitting with in This Week in Bible Study. This is the question that has been at the forefront of our minds. Um, and if you want to think some more about that, come. You saw the, the time and schedules that we have those up. But who or what are you working for? Whose kingdom are you building? Number two, what are your talents? How has God uniquely equipped you? Y'all, in, in order to do good work in the world, you need to know what you're working with. And this is going to take some self-examination and it also really helps to have some friends. People that you can turn to and, and ask them, what do you think I'm good at? It's easy sometimes for us to deceive ourselves. Right? Uh, 
I, I am terrible at basketball, but I can sometimes convince myself I'm awesome at it. People around me are like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, it's helpful for, for you all to have people who can speak truthfully into your life. What am I good at? What do you see? Um, what do you notice about me? Thirdly, where are their needs in the world? Where do you, what needs do you see? My favorite quote on work comes from a Vermont pastor. His name's Frederick Beekner. And here's what he says, and I quote, there are all different kinds of voices calling you to all different kinds of work. And the problem is to find out which is the voice of God rather than of society, say, or the superego or self-interest. By and large, the good rule for finding out is this. The kind of work God usually calls you to is the kind of work, A, that you need most to do, and B, that the world most needs to have done. The place God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Don't catch that. I'm going to say that last one one more time. The kind of work God usually calls you to is the kind of work, A, that you need most to do, and B, the world needs most to have done. The place God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. What are you good at? How have you been, like, how have you been equipped? What are your talents? But also, where do you see need? Where God is calling you is the intersection of those things. Fourth and final, why are you working? Yo, what's your motive? Are you working in order to get, or are you working because you've received and you want to share? There's a huge difference between these two. And how you answer the question is critical. It is going to make the difference between you burning out and you running, going the distance, and working for the long haul. Are you working in order to get something from God, or are you working because you've received something from Him and you want to share that with us? Are you working to get rest, or are you working in the place of rest? Is one another way of putting that? God made you and saved you for work. He's equipped and is equipping you for it, and He expects a return on His investment. Let's pray.